Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with designers Stephen Wren, Alex Flagg, and Taryn Kratz, the team behind one of this year's most anticipated games, Buru. Buru is currently on Kickstarter with 25 days to go. Gentlemen, welcome to the binge. How you doing? Thanks for having good, us, James. James. Uh, gentlemen, talk to me a little bit about your backgrounds. I know that um, you're, uh, you're coming from different companies, right? So we've got a designer, we've got a manufacturer, we've got the creator of Crafty Games. Um, you know, there's a little bit of everything here for everybody. It's almost like the wonder team. Let's start off. Who wants to kind of kick off and tell us uh, kind of how this all came about? Uh, also, I'll start out. I'm Alex Flagg. I'm the co-founder of Crafty Games. Um, We've been in business for about 15 years now. Uh, started out as a role-playing game manufacturer, um, landed the Miss, uh, Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn license and started nice. doing that about 10 years ago. And uh, so, yeah, and then we've, through that license, we've transitioned into doing board games as well. And so we launched uh, Mistborn House War uh, back in 2016. Uh, did very, very well for us. And uh, literally a month after that campaign completed, we met Steven, who is the designer of Buru. Very good. Now, Stephen, your background, like, have you been a designer for a long time or kind of what's your, what's your background? Well, that's a very complicated question. Uh, <laughs> my, my background's actually in academia. Uh, I have a, a master's and I was about three years into a PhD program uh, before leaving when I decided I didn't, you know, really want that to be the rest of my life. Uh, and shortly after that, I joined uh, Panda Game Manufacturing and have been with them for about about five years now, a little bit more. Uh, and in terms of designing, I've I've dabbled in designing quite a bit before and and after Buru, but I'm really bad at developing my ideas. I I kind of just I, I come up with new ideas that I want to pursue and and try something else. So uh, this was the first game that I had really uh, seen all the way through uh, to a point where it was uh, pitchable. So, and uh, I always have this kind of thought of um, what came first, the, the game and kind of the design of the game or the, the theme, or were they kind of done at the same time or how did, how did that come about? So the idea for this game came about mainly through the mechanisms. So I was looking to create uh, a a mechanic that would allow interaction in a, a Euro style uh, strategy, you know, engine building board game. Uh, so there are other games that, that handle interaction. Oftentimes it's very indirect, uh, it's very minimal. Uh, and if it is more substantial interaction, it comes in the form of uh, directly attacking the assets of an opponent. And I. I don't really have a taste for that. So I was looking for something that would be uh, more interaction based on correctly evaluating your opponent's uh, evaluation of their resources. Uh, so that's where the main mechanisms of Buru came about. The initial stages of that really lent themselves to this, this theme and concept of discovery. So I ended up looking for a theme that would fit well for that. Uh, and that led to 
uh, as you know, I have a background in academia, so I started researching stuff, and and that led to uh, to finding uh, information about uh, about Guru and just falling in love with that concept. Uh, and I was you know really really thankful that Crafty uh, continued to to use that for the game. So were you like a history major, or what was your what was kind of your background of study? Uh, biology and fisheries and wildlife. So no, oh, that's cool. the short answer to that. <laughs> so when you get into island nations that uh, have fishing cultures and things like that, that's I guess the the lead in there, is it? I I just like learning about things. That was that was sort of the bridge. How far down the rabbit hole did you go on the whole Indonesian folklore and, and so forth? So initially, not super far. Um, I was really interested in sort of the early combinations of the animism, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, which led to the concepts of uh, sort of the, the spirits of the, the island. Okay. Um, and that's, that led to the, the concept of, of paying tribute to them. Uh, that was about as far as I had gotten in the original design. Uh, and then when, uh, when Alex and, and Crafty uh, joined into the project uh, and signed on the, the game, they started adding all the other elements. Uh, you know, the concept of this being the Majapahit Empire uh, extending their, their influence through, uh, through trade to Buru, uh, which is part of the Spice Islands. Um, I'm, I'm sure Alex can, can talk more about that. But uh, the, the concept of being diplomats of that empire to this new region that had already been uh, been colonized and, and had its own cultures in the melting of that. That's cool. And how did the two of you kind of come together? So did, did were you pitching uh, the game at like a, like a pitch event or how did kind of crafty find you? Uh, I did a very early play test of Buru with uh, Gamerati, which is uh, mm. Ed Healy's company uh, yeah. in May of 2016 uh, and he played it and said, you should pitch this to Crafty. And I said, okay. So uh, <laughs> at Gen Con later that year, I met up with uh, Alex and Patrick and showed them the game. And uh, it, got, it got picked up at that point because they, yep. uh, they saw something they liked and, and, uh, and ran with it. So I don't want to leave Taryn kind of in the cone of silence. So Taryn, maybe tell us <laughs> your, uh, how you're tied into this whole thing. Yeah, for sure. And I'll apologize in advance. I've got some clanging and construction going on in the background. So no worries. Apologize. But uh, yeah, I, um, I met Alex a number of years ago at a con and we started hanging out. Sorry, uh, playing a bunch of games together. And then um, I met him and, and Patrick at Gen Con. I think it was Gen Con 2018. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Um, and which is really cool because actually Alex lives in the same town as me. So we knew each other from back here and then we met up at Gen Con and mm -hmm. he showed me this game and um, I said, yeah, I'd like to work on it. And uh, so they brought me on board to kind of help with the development and uh, just kind of flesh out some of the mechanics. Alex was saying I, he'd been working on it for a little while and I think had, had moved it along further than when even they originally got it. But then he's like, I've got a lot going on. I need some, I need a fresh set of eyes on this here you go. And so he just handed it to me and I just started running with it. It was, it was really fun. I've got a, I've got a game design background, uh, Kickstarter background. I've ran a few Kickstarters myself and, uh, did a game. Actually, I, I did a game in 2017 that did pretty well, a, a game called Helionox. And, uh, my company is called Zeroic Games. And so, yeah, I've just kind of started, I actually, Buru, I think was probably my first game that I contracted to develop 
that was not my own game, I think. But now, but since then, I've done several more. So I've kind of started getting into the development side of things. Which been so really what fun. would you say is your strength then uh, that you bring to the table? Is it the, the mechanics? Is it uh, tying the theme into the overall game? Or what is it? Your, what's your kind of little secret sauce you add on this? Yeah, um, you know, it, it's funny. Like I, I dabble in so much stuff. I'm a really, I'm a really balanced kind of a guy. I, I actually do a graphic design. I have, I'm a graphic designer by trade. Uh, which is actually very important for building prototypes and um, making good UI decisions. Yeah. So I kind of started, I, I, I always look at games from like a UI perspective and like a, des- a graphic design perspective. Plus with my game design background, I just kind of mix a lot of that stuff together. And then, and, and it had such, Buru had such a strong core to begin with. I was like, it was pretty clear. Okay, here's the stuff that you don't mess with. This stuff's great. Yeah. And here, the rest of the stuff, let's, let's see where we can readjust these other things and, and, and see if we can make this uh, really shine. And so I think that, I think that's kind of what I brought to it is a little bit more of a, um, the development side, uh, kind of the, uh, a, a bit more of the creative design side, like break a whole bunch of stuff down. Yeah. Start building it back up type of thing. And, uh, Alex in, on your page, you talk a little bit about, um, catch up games and the importance to you of pulling in, um, you know, game development companies in Indonesia, right? Uh, from a subject matter expert standpoint, how did that all come about? How did you pull them in and kind of what role they play? So, um, so, you know, the game's always been called Buru and, you know, like Steven mm-hmm. liked that idea. I like that idea. It's one of, a tra- tra- one of the things that attracted us to the game outside of the rules um, when we first saw it. And um, we knew we wanted to go deep with that theme. And so, you know, about the time um, the development process in this game has been a series of kind of laterals, you know, uh, mm. so th- we, we phased through. And so like we were towards the end of the mechanical stuff and we were making the decisions about themes. And I knew that, you know, we had to choose, are we going to go into lean into the historical side um, or are we going to, um, you know, go another way where we can be, yeah. cause I didn't want to do something that was like not true to the theme. If we're going to base it on a real place and yeah. real people, we got to be as true to that as we can within the scope of the game. And so, um, you know, that's where I found this, uh, this, the Majapahit element. Um, I, that was the, literally the first mention of Buru in a historical text. Mm-hmm. And so, um, then I knew that, okay, I need, I would some, find somebody who knows more about Indonesian culture than me. <laughs> and so, you know, I started out, but I went to, you know, various, uh, I was going to universities across the U S I was looking for, you know, Southeast Asian study centers, um, things like cultural associations, you know, um, and it was having a hard time breaking through. Yeah. And, uh, so finally I started cold writing people in the game sphere in Indonesia. Um, so, you know, Indonesians game development community is small. Um, and, uh, so I started going to publishers looking for board game cafes, people in this distribution to see if I could make a contact. And um, I wrote to uh, Kevin Hendrenata, who is, um, and found him and said, hey, I've got a crazy question for you. Like, I know you guys have done a couple games. Um, it really is helpful when you have somebody who speaks the language of games, getting him yeah. with the cultural concerns. Because they, honestly, most people are like, oh, it's like board games? What are you going to? what do you need me for? Yeah. You know? And so you kind of need somebody that, that bridges those has a foot in both those worlds. And, um, 
And so that's how we met Ketchup. Ke Kevin and Chris are the, the two guys behind Ketchup. And so uh, we started a relationship with them. They were enthusiastic and, and they signed on. And, and then, you know, we've been working with them for over a year now. So. And your artist that you uh, that you brought on is Indonesian as well, or yes, mm -hmm. yeah. So um, we brought on Dan May from Quillsilver. He's worked on Everdell, uh, probably his most uh, Archmage, a number of games, um, uh, Black Orchestra. So he's got a spectacular uh, design sense. And so we met him earlier on in the process through another friend, and um, and. He's like, we we're talking about, the, I showed him the, the prototype and talked about where we're going for. And Dan was on board. Um, and he's like, I know the guy. So Angar um, is, was the primary artist on, um, I believe, Archmage mm -hmm. uh, or Mist, Mistfall, uh, maybe both. Um, and yeah, and so Dan reached out to him and Angar was like, what? <laughs> you know, he was, he was all in. Like, and so, and Angar brought so many cool things that we never would have thought. And that's the wonderful thing about working with people that have a background in the culture, which you're trying to represent. Um, you know, a, a quick example. Um, so, you know, Yang Kulit is the um, the shadow pu puppetry. You, know, you may have seen this before in various like theaters and stuff, the really yep. long skinny arms and, and stuff like that. It's beautiful. And I really had that. This is something I was really stuck on. And you know, Taryn heard me go on and on about this. I want to do that for the figures. You know, maybe we can make it look like this epic poem. Um, and, you know, Engar said, well, that's cool, but, you know, um, there's all these, in the Majapahit ruins, in the terracotta friezes, they have this very unusual style where everybody's kind of flattened out, you know, so they all look like they're you know, kind of under pressed glass, yeah. and they have all these scenes of life, and these are, you know, in the, in the ruins of the original kingdom and some of the expansion areas, and so, and he brought that in, and, and that gave the game this really unique look. I've never seen anything like it before, but we wouldn't, you know, that was, that was Ingar's idea. And then he said, I can make it work. And then bang. So yeah, it was really, that's the value of cross-cultural collaboration on things like this, I think. Yeah. I think you got to be sensitive too, right? Like it's, um, I think now more than ever, it's important that if you are going to pull in different themes, right. From different cultures, um, you know, it, it's important to consult and, uh, and make sure you get it right. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, the last thing you want to do is create like a caricature of a culture of a culture, right. Cause that can be highly offensive and, um, can have the opposite effect of what you want to do, which is people enjoy and have fun in, in, in what you've created. So you want the conversation to be around that. So I think you guys have really hit the bullseye and how to approach that and probably a good case study for other people who are working on games, uh, that do pull in from different themes across different cultures, this is probably the right model to, uh, to follow if they're going to do that. Um, Steven, maybe you can walk us through exactly how to play this game. I was sharing the screen a little bit while you guys were talking because I did want to show the artwork, which I think is just absolutely beautiful. But let's talk about how you actually play the game itself. For those who um, uh, haven't seen the, the webpage, uh, if you know, follow this on our YouTube channel, you can, you can see the visuals. Uh, likewise, in our Facebook group, if you join the Board Game Binge Facebook group, you can see a copy of this interview, some of the visuals, or just go to Kickstarter and uh, search for Buru. So B-U-R-U, you'll find this game. The visuals are stunning. They're amazing. Steven's going to walk us through basically how this kind of the essence of how you play this game. And uh, we'll do our best to use descriptive language for people listening to understand how you play it. But uh, it, uh, it is something that looks really, really exciting. So over to you, Steven. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the main mechanisms of the game 
uh, involves sort of this, this combination of blind bidding and uh, engine building. So players begin with uh, five of these explorer tokens, which are double-sided. One side is the same. The other side has a value on it, ranging from one to five. Uh, during each round of the game, uh, play passes between the players, and they commit one of these tokens onto a region in the board. Uh, the base game has, has four regions. Uh, after everyone has placed all but one of those tokens, you reveal the last one uh, and acquire fish based on the remaining token value. Uh, and the fish is a, uh, is a resource that's very valuable for uh, acquiring uh, some of the engine pieces, the cards in the game, okay. uh, as well as some of the, uh, the uh, honoring of the, of the spirits um, at the, the end of each round. Uh, so then each region is resolved by flipping over the tokens and determining a majority in that. Uh, ties being broken by uh, acquisition of an emissary token. Uh, during In those different regions, you either collect resources, uh, you collect uh, Islander cards for your engine building, uh, you can collect some uh, Elder cards for endgame scoring, uh, as well as uh, pay tribute to the spirits of the island for the majority of the victory points in the game. Uh, and uh, over when when that finishes, you, you reset the board and continue. Uh, so that's the, the main mechanisms. Those were the, the core concepts that uh, I had brought in, but I do, I do think that when Taryn was describing uh, his influence on this, he was not really, uh, he was shortchanging himself because the, the addition <laughs> that, that Alex and uh, Taryn added, which were, the decrees to make uh, the different regions more valuable in uh, different rounds of the game. Uh, the totems, which were sort of a, uh, a twist on a concept that I had in the original design that didn't quite work correctly. Uh, but those mean that if you triumph, if you are uh, have higher value in a particular region, uh, that could be valuable for other people scoring because if you have a totem associated with a region, you're going to get some kickback for uh, for them paying tribute to that particular spirit. Uh, so that's that's the main concepts. If I'm forgetting anything, Alex, Taryn, please feel free to jump in and, and fill in the blanks. Here's here's what I when I looked at the playthrough videos and uh, some of the reviews, um, the kind of games I personally like to play are Euro style games, right? Uh, and I don't know if that's just uh, my upbringing fighting with my brothers or what, but I, I, I just, I, I love Euro style games and the trap I think a lot of companies can run into is they do a Euro, but they make it way too complicated. Right. And I ran into this on a, on a Kickstarter that I was looking at about three months ago, beautiful looking game. And so I look through the page and thought, yeah, I think I'm going to back this game. And so I was looking at the playthrough video. And I'm 10 minutes into the playthrough video and I'm like, I still have no idea how to play this game. This is going to be a nightmare trying to explain during my meetup group nights and so forth, trying to explain this to other people. If it's this hard to explain the game, um, then, this, this, then it's an issue. And what I really loved about, about this game, uh, Buru specifically, and in, in, in a lot of the videos you've done and you know, even uh, Board Games in a Minute, uh, did a nice little video where you can explain the concept very, very quickly. It's not, it's not a incredibly difficult concept, but there's enough complexity there, I think, to bring interest, right? When people are playing it, you know, the, the pieces are beautiful. 
you've got uh, the tokens or, you know, you've got wood tokens, you've got wood trading pieces and all these things, I think, bring that tactile um, kind of, uh, uh, you know, playability to it and make it more of a showpiece when you're playing and want to, you know, other people, when they see that they want to play it when they walk by the table. But it, to me, it, you know, you guys seem to have struck a really good balance between those two, right. Of, you know, bringing in all the, the elements to make it a beautiful game, but still at the same time, not making it too complicated that people are going to kind of get lost um, when, uh, when they're doing that. So, um, you know, congrats on that. Um, what I would say is that um, uh, certainly it's probably a game I'm going to back just when I, when I saw it, it's one of those ones that you quickly get the concept and, and it looks like a lot of fun. It is one to four players, right? Yes. With the expansion, it's one to five, one to five. Now, can you talk a little bit about the expansion? How does the expansion uh, work? So, um, so the Ampelau expansion, um, yeah. which is available was a day one expansion, um, kind of adds another layer of depth to the game. Um, so it adds another region board. So you get a smaller round board that just tucks in and fits right between the village and sacred lake regions. Um, and uh, this adds some new mechanics. It has a little more diversity mechanics and it's all modular. So you can mix and match things however you like. Um, it adds, so we have the Ambalau main expansion, which has this board, a new spirit called Ibu, which mm -hmm. has a more kind of a semi-triangular scoring. Um, and, but it has this uh, movement mechanic where you kind of putter around um, grabbing actions rather than uh, based on your bid, is the order you move and so you can kind of race to get these extra benefits um and then it also adds the we're a hundred dollars from adding the akum expansion to that which yeah. is as a new uh spirit that adds can be added to the base game or with ambalau um, is that the adds, horse is that the horse head oh kuda kuda is our mascot so we we have uh our, our mascot is a dude in a, a horse mask and so we always find a way to work a horse into everything it's a just a weird little quirky thing for us so yeah um, so is that just like a first player token or what, what do you do with no that? no so 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 kuda is a uh so he has a character uh he, when he works <laughs> in things he's a chaotic kind of gluttonous creature yeah. that always gets in the way of everything an agent of chaos and so um what CUDA does uh, is CUDA is activated as you triumph, um, the player's triumphant bid, so however many points they bid to win that area, it drives that pawn out of their region and moves around the board, leaving behind a little skeletal fish. It's got its own little token. It looks like a gutted fish. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so what he's doing is he's, he's blocking spaces. But if you can land on his space, you get a special action. So he's sort of, it's not stopping things, but what it's doing is dynamically changing the space uh, the, the play of the board. So you can't always be guaranteed, oh, I'm going to get this best spot or whatever. So it's, it's another fun way to kind of throw in there if you want to mix up a game, maybe make it a little more dynamic in terms of bidding and decision space without complicating anything. And did I read that correctly? You get that automatically if you add your name to the mail list? Is that, yes. is that all you have to do? Yep, that's it. <laughs> and back the game, obviously, but yeah, to, yeah, back to the, the mail yeah. list and uh, you get an extra little add-on. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun, fun thing to add to the game. So yeah. I was curious, why wouldn't you split this campaign? And I'm sure you guys went through this, uh, this discussion of base game, you know, and right now you guys are sitting at uh, almost, uh, you know, over 72,000 Canadian on a, on a pledge value of 24,000 Canadian. So you guys have crushed your goal. You're three times your goal. Yeah, Congratulations on that, by the way. Hours, yeah. 
mm-hmm. almost 700 backers. You still got 25 days to go. So this is going to be a huge monster uh, success. There's no doubt about that. I think the math is pretty straightforward on that. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you launch the base game, then come back like a year later and do the base game plus the uh, the expansion? What was the thought process behind that? Well, you know, so this is kind of a newer thing. And I know some people come back and kind of dip back yeah. into the well. Um, <laughs> and and I, I, I think that's a valid strategy for certain yeah. games. Um, you know, I think we have a, as a publisher, we have a couple of different extenuating circumstances. One is like, you know, do we want to get to a certain price level for the game? Like, yeah. you know, if we want to just do the base game and say, okay, that's good enough. And, and we'll come back and try it. But, you know, do people want to have their stuff parted by a year or more? You know, yeah. that level of uncertainty. Um, we wanted to do, for the deluxe edition, we did a fancy game tray. And this gave us the ability to put, to make sure that tray could hold everything inside the base box. So that's something, I'm, we're kind of organization nerds. We love like really cool yeah. inserts and stuff. So we wanted to do that. Um, and I think sometimes it's good to just have a really complete idea. Like to say, you know, we're going to make it for, for retail since uh, Crafty does push our games to retail. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of doing like a short print run to fulfill a Kickstarter and see how it goes, you know, we believed in Boober from the beginning. We wanted to see it succeed. And, and we knew that, you know, if you go to retail, um, you sell your game in and then three to four months later, you're going to want to have the expansion to activate those customers again, like who are enthusiastic. I'm really enjoying the game, but I'd love to have something to change it up or, you know, yeah. oh boy, it's like, oh, they have some asymmetrical powers. That'd be a fun way to revisit the game. Mm-hmm. And if you do that in two separate Kickstarters, you don't have anything to offer them right? Like it's not there. So, you know, if we were doing something where it was like, you know, century or something like that, we could all offer an alternative version of Baru where we could kind of build on a success, you know, in the same way that Gloomhaven and Jaws of the Lion or or Forgotten Circles did. Um, That'd be one thing. But I think here it was for this game, it felt like being able to put it all out together and being able to follow in retail and have those things together was a probably a stronger call for the game and its, its health. Another thing I thought was very interesting, maybe we could talk a little bit about the add-ons really quickly. So with um, the deluxe version was only $10 more for the deluxe version, which I thought was pretty cool, right? It wasn't a giant leap. It was only $10 more for the deluxe version. That gives you uh, printed tokens, right? Screen printed tokens. And I think like the actual player tokens there have like like a gold kind of foil print on them as well. Um, You get the game trays, uh, which a lot of people look for in their games because uh, it keeps your, your pieces and everything well organized. So it's mm-hmm. a lot of cool stuff you guys included in there as the uh, for just $10, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I thought was really interesting is that the game mat fits in the actual box. Like how often do you see well, that? You, you well, see the, that. the game, mat, this game mat won't. And, and oh, this one you, won't. No, no, no. It, it's 30 inches by 36. So you know, you're trying to fit this into a ticket to ride box. Got it. So yeah, where did so I read I, that? I thought I read that somewhere that the so people game have mat asked. fits. Some people have asked mm. if it would fit. Um, every, all the other components will fit in there, including the promo and stuff like that. It's got a cavity in the game tray. But if we're going to get a nice thick neoprene, like yep. you won't be able to do it. Like, Or you have to do something like Oath did where they roll it up and then tuck it in one side and it takes up a significant chunk. Got but yeah, it. we didn't. Yeah, it, it won't fit inside. Okay, so I will stand corrected on that because I don't want people saying, hey, <laughs> you promised. And it, yeah, I got yeah. my game, it didn't happen. <laughs> the game mat looks really cool though. So it's like mm-hmm. the board and I know when you have cards you're placing down on your table, if you got like a mat, 
it's easier to pick up your cards and so forth. And uh, they stay in place, which I think is awesome. So congrats on that as well. Um, and then what other add-ons did you guys throw in there? Was there anything else? I mean, there was quite a bit on that page. Uh, just scroll real quick. Uh, it was, it was mainly the neoprene mat, um, sleeve packs. Yeah. Um, and then, sleeves, uh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. The bulls. The bowls, yeah. Tell me so about the bowls, man. This is a fun thing. So, you know, like I love resource <laughs> bowls and stuff like that. So we've got a manufacturer overseas to make them out of coconuts. So That's they're crazy. little coconut sand. Yeah, so we're going to get them, uh, you know, I'm still waiting for the samples to arrive. It took a while for them to ship. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, our plan is to actually have the Buru logo inside the bowl. So you'd have these three little coconut bowls, which will, you know, fit the theme of the game and yeah, be really cool. So how cool is that? I was, uh, when I saw, I had to do a double take. I'm like, wait a second. Was that, is that actually like a coconut shell? It is, it's actually it coconut, coconut shells. You guys turn into the yeah. bowls. That's amazing. So where do you guys go from here? What's the, you've got kind of, uh, and it's cool having, you know, uh, a designer having, you know, the game company having, you know, somebody from another game company who's got some, you know, deep consulting experience and so forth in game design kind of coming together as a triumvirate. How, where do you guys go from here? Are you doing another game or are you kind of go your separate ways or what's kind of the next steps? I'll leave it to the guys. I've been talking enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, I mean, I, I hope to work together again. I don't, we haven't made any plans specifically to do anything, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's definitely um, some possibilities going forward. Uh, right now I'm working on my, I'm working on several projects. I'm working on one project I hope to have out later this year. Um, it's called Heliox Chronicles, another game set in the Heliox universe. Nice. Um, and some other projects uh, that I've got going on for some other companies, but yeah, I mean, hopefully, I don't know, 2022, maybe. I, I'd love to see it happen myself. And uh, yeah, I, yourself, I have a, yeah. yeah, I have a, a couple new new designs in the works. As I mentioned, I, I tend to put those off quite a bit, but they're good now. Uh, certainly, I would I would be happy to pass them over to, to these two to make great. So that's uh, maybe a little uh, pre-plug uh, for your next uh, your next pitch, I guess. Eh? I like it. Got to got to slide it in there while you can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gentlemen, this game looks awesome. Uh, you've got a background in me. Uh, people to watch my uh, podcast know that I don't uh, ever receive games as uh, for payment or donation or anything like that. So when I back a game, I back a game because it's a game that I actually want, and I pay my own dollars to do that. So um, this is definitely one I want, and I'll just say it there because it looks uh, looks awesome. You guys are going to crush it. I can't wait to see where this actually ends, uh, but uh, I'm sure you guys are happy already. And uh, who knows uh, where the where the limit's going to be? Well, thank you. All the All best. Eh? You guys take care. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. You too. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.